This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Tuesday night edition of Seattle Sports at Night is here on 710 ESPN Seattle. A late night one. I'm Curtis Rogers, joined by the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Jake, wipe those, wipe the sleep from your eyes. We... <laughs> We've got two hours to go here. I'm trying to shake it off. I'm going to down some Mountain Dew, <laughs> my go-to. There you go. That's right. That was uh, that was like the drink of choice for those slumber parties as a kid where you had the video game tournaments with your boys. Yep. Uh, chugging Mountain Dew, eating the, the big jar of licorice that you get from Costco, <laughs> the red vines, That's of course. That's right, the red vines. Twizzlers taste like the bag in which they come in. Uh, and then you're chugging Mountain Dew, eating licorice, chomping down on Little Caesars, because I mean the five dollar hot and ready. That's a never fails. That's a gift from above, right there. <laughs> Absolutely, never fails. Absolutely. If you not. really want to go crazy, you're gonna prepare for with some Costco pizza. Oh yeah. You know the I'm, the combo one. That's the right. Deluxe one. Started started off right. Exactly. <laughs> this is Seattle Sports tonight. Shout out to you for joining us. Coors Light text line is there for you. 710-710 is the number to text if you've got something to say. If we say anything that's got you in your feelings and you want to chime in, uh, the Coors Light text line is there for you. 710-710. Yesterday, the big news, obviously Frank Clark receiving that franchise tag, a move that the Seahawks haven't made since 2010. It's been made. It's official now. The franchise tag window has been closed which, I mean, I don't think there's any more time we need to waste. Let's get into what's on the timeline here on this Tuesday night. And speaking of the franchise tag window closing, Frank Clark wasn't the only guy in the NFL to receive a franchise tag from his team. Houston putting one on Jadavian Clowney, D. Ford getting one from KC, Robbie Gold, the kicker, uh, Grady Jarrett from Atlanta, and then Demarcus Lawrence all received the franchise tag in total it was, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys getting the franchise tag. Were you surprised at the amount of guys who were tagged? No, I'm not not surprised by the amount of guys that have been tagged. Uh, obviously, it's always interesting when you see a kicker that is uh, listed on the franchise tag, but Robbie Gould has, uh, honestly, he's been incredible his whole career. Um, and so letting a guy like that go, as you've seen last year, how valuable kickers can be. They can be either a strength or they can be an Achilles heel to a team. So letting a guy like Robbie Gould go, uh, you don't want to see that. And obviously this was dominated. This list is dominated by pass rushers, edge rushers, and those guys come at a premium. And right now, because of Khalil Mack, because of Aaron Donald, they have inflated the market. And you have a bunch of teams that are trying to figure this market out right now. And, and uh, you know, you've got Demarcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, Jadavian Clowney, D. Ford, all trying to set that market for for each other, and they want they all want to get paid. And a couple of those guys could see their situations drag out as close as possible to that July fifteenth deadline because the Texans and the Chiefs are trying to classify Clowney and Ford as linebackers rather than defensive ends. It would save them a couple million dollars each in cap space. So I could see those two cases going to arbitration where somebody rules that. Clowney is, in fact, a defensive end. D. Ford is, in fact, a defensive end. Yes. Uh, and they will get the couple million dollars it, that it, they this, feel they're owed. This is going to be a really interesting argument because Jadavian Clowney and D. Ford play at the line of scrimmage so much, but they play in a 3-4 scheme. So this is going to be, I, I agree with you, I think these are going to go to arbitration because there is a difference. There is a big difference in money between being an outside linebacker and, an, and a defensive end. Uh, so those deals, I think that situation or those two situations are going to drag on. The Demarcus Lawrence situation is going to drag on. The only one that really is healthy is Frank Clark and the Seahawks. Those guys have a great relationship with one another. They've been in communication for a long time, and I am still very, very hopeful that that deal gets done, a multi-year deal gets done before July 15th. Now we looked at guys who did receive the franchise tag. There are a lot of surprising guys who didn't get them Landon Collins of the Giants, uh, Nick Foles of the Eagles, Trey Flowers of the Patriots, also Steven Goskowski of the Patriots, Yep. C.J. Mosley, another guy. Of the people who did not get the franchise tag, which one stands out to you the most? I think Landon Collins is, is hands down 
the guy that stands out to me. Uh, you know, I, I would say that it would be the defensive end, Trey Flowers, from the New England, New England Patriots, but this is the Patriots' way. Typically, they do not extend themselves on premium players once they've passed their prime So to their point. Uh, they've, they've shown time and time again that they are willing to let go of those types of players and be able to find guys to replace them. So that one isn't too shocking to me. Uh, but Landon Collins for the New, New York Giants makes absolutely no sense. This guy has done nothing but... Uh, ball out since he's been there. He's been not, he hasn't been a, lo- a locker room distraction for them. Uh, and and this is a guy that could be a part of this franchise for years to come. Uh, and and so I don't understand the decision making process from there. Obviously the the Giants know their own team better, but Landon Collins is going to get paid this offseason. Absolutely, just twenty five years of age and. He just turned that. He turned 25 in January. Yes. Still one of the best young players in all of football. Uh, You look at the Giants for as incompetent as they have been over the last decade or so. Mm -hmm. They've been finding some really talented players at the top of their draft. Collins in 15. You had Odell Beckham Jr. as well as a first-round pick. Saquon Barkley a year ago. Uh, I mean, those three guys in about a three- or four-year window – uh, just an incredible run, but for whatever reason, that organization cannot get it together uh, when it comes to Sunday as they're going to be picking near the top of this year's draft as well. Some other news in the NFL, at least as it pertains to the Seahawks, Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback, he joined our very own Brock and Salk this morning and said that the Seahawks did, in fact, meet with Oklahoma quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray at the NFL Combine. What? Curtis, they did? Unbelievable. And I'm, My mind is blown. My world is rocked right how now. How many teams do you think didn't meet with Kyler Murray? Because I think that would be a bigger Unbelievable. story. Uh, who, I, I don't know. It's, it is a good question. I'm not sure what that answer is like, and I'm not sure uh, what the process is like for most teams in terms of you know how many of them do their due diligence how many of them just meet with players that they know that they're not going to get simply for the fact that you know it's just again getting interviews trying to feel guys out understand what they're like uh that they may one day face them in the national football league or be able to sign them as free agents i'm not sure uh but this one to me i can't wait to dive into it at 715 because so many people are uh, reacting in a big, big way. Yeah, that's coming up in a, in a short moment here when uh, Jake and I are going to talk at further length about Kyler Murray getting an interview with the Seahawks at the NFL Combine. Is that the Seahawks doing their due diligence, or is there more to it than that? That's coming up. Uh, that could be a, a future Seahawk, maybe. Probably not. But how about a former Seahawk rumored to be out on the trade market? Eagles rumored to be shopping Michael Bennett, the defensive end. That, mm. We're going to start off uh, our second hour looking at a couple of former Seahawks and if they're likely to end up back here in Seattle. I think you could lump Michael Bennett in with that group. Uh, if he does return to Seattle just a year removed from how unceremoniously he left Seattle, yeah. I just I don't see it happening. <laughs> I think it, there are some bridges that need to be built back up for right. the Seahawks to entertain bringing Michael Bennett back into the fold. I agree with that. It's also interesting and surprising to see Michael Bennett being put on the trade block. Uh, you know, they can the Eagles can get value for him. They could probably get anywhere from a third to a fourth round pick, fourth probably being the most likely, but it also saves them seven million dollars in cap space. So this is a cap space move for them. Has nothing to do with production because Michael Bennett went out there and proved this last year that he is still amongst the elite in terms of getting to the passer. Absolutely. He is a guy that I think will get a market developed if the Eagles do in fact want to move him in and then cactus league action today you heard it just moments ago here on 710 espn seattle the mariners uh and padres dueling to a 7-7 tie uh but that isn't the big story of the day today uh the big story is malik smith center fielder for the mariners he is hasn't thrown yet at all in spring training dealing with that elbow injury well he was cleared to begin throwing today a very good sign as the mariners 
uh, are about a week away from leaving for Tokyo to begin their 2019 season against the Oakland A's. Malik Smith is a guy that a lot is being counted on uh, in 2019 and in the future. They didn't bring him here just for this season. He's a guy that they've got big hopes for. Right. Uh, you don't want to see him come out of the blocks like this uh, with you know nicks and bruises before the season starts, but it's good to see him get healthy and, and hopefully get back to a normal routine and not skip a beat once the season starts. Absolutely. This is a guy that... The Mariners have high hopes for, like you said, and you know this is a classic case of a guy who is excited about this new opportunity, understands the the challenge that's in front of him, and and the ability to be a cornerstone of of the Mariners franchise moving forward if he's able to perform and live up to expectations, and simply overtrained and overtrained to the point where he got himself hurt. So that was a that was a, a definitely a. Uh, a like you said, stumbling block coming out the gate, but to get him back to to know that he is this isn't a deal where it is lingering on. It is is we are able to get him back on track to the road of being a hundred percent and hopefully out there performing on the field uh, for the Mariners very very soon. Yeah, great to see Malik Smith uh, back out there. Uh, he joined Danny David Moore earlier today. If you didn't hear that interview, you can catch it on the podcast page, 710sports.com. And then quickly before we get to break here, a couple of notable NFL cuts today on the defensive side of the ball. The veteran Eric Weddle, longtime Raven and Charger, he gets his walking papers from Baltimore. And then Mark Barron, a member of the Rams defense, he also uh, gets released today by the Rams. So a couple more names getting tossed out there. The Weddle release, that cloudies up that safety market even further. Yeah, you look at this, You honestly, you look at this free agent market, and, and I went through uh, a list of, of names, and there is great depth in terms of uh, names, talent. Uh, I think there's some real gets out there in, in this free agent market, and some that, because it's so deep, that there are going to be some bargain deals that are out there for the Seahawks to take advantage of. And and once that free agency hits, uh, we'll we'll see how active the Seahawks are going to be. Coming up at seven four, or coming up uh, at the end of this hour, uh, four down territory. We're going to tell you exactly how active we think the Seahawks will be in free agency this off season. But up next, Kyler Murray sitting down with the Seahawks. Is this simply the team doing their due diligence, or is there more to it than that? We'll talk that next. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jake Heaps, right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps here with you late into the night here on this Tuesday. Shout out to you for joining us. Jake, no joke, I have a flight that... I got to be at the airport for about six a.m. Really tomorrow? Okay. So how how are you? Do I even do I even like? Is it worth it to go to sleep? Exactly. Like I'm up. We're late night here. Like, do I go to bed (laughs) or do I just sleep on the plane? I don't know. It's it's a bold call. Can you? Here's the question. Can you sleep on planes? I can, but I cannot. Like if I. Tilt my head if I have a window seat. Yeah, it doesn't work if I lean up against the window. Okay, I just got to kind of be facing forward. And the problem is if I get an aisle seat, I've got broad shoulders, yes. so my shoulders kind of spill out into the aisle. Right. And people walking by, they'll brush up against me, and I'll just I'll get a nudge, and it's like, oh, right. Man. You get that drink food cart too. In exactly. The elbow sometimes. Exactly. So, you know, it's that's a tough call, it, man. It is tough, but I'm I'm confident in my abilities. To catch some Z's. Okay, that's that's good. I'm glad you're confident in that ability. It, it's a tough decision. I, for me personally, I would go to sleep as soon as you get home. I wouldn't waste any time. Hopefully, yeah. you've packed. Hopefully, you well, planned ahead. No. I mean, I, I, hey, come on, Curtis. Yeah, I know. You got to plan ahead, I know. man. I should have because because uh, I would have taken advantage. What you get? Maybe what four hours, three hours, yeah. you know, that's a, yeah. that's a good power nap, that's you know? The, yeah, and, that, and that's more than a power nap. That, that's, that's right. And maybe a slumber. Yeah. Maybe you can catch that on in, in the flight for me. I couldn't do it. I'd yeah. have to literally like drink some NyQuil or something like that just to knock myself out on a flight. I can't do it anymore. When I was a kid, I could fall asleep anytime, anywhere, any place. 
and now I, it's it's hard for me to take a nap. I've got to yeah. I've got to be in a perfectly dark room to fall asleep. I don't know why. Yeah, and I'm one of those sleepers where I have to have a blanket on me mm-hmm. of some kind. Like if I don't, even if it's like a hundred degrees outside, I still got to have some kind of blanket covering me. So that's a that's an interesting like barrier I have to overcome in order to. Uh, in order to get some, or get some shut out here. Yeah, I believe in you, Curtis. You well, got to you got to start to strip it. off to Peoria, right? Because we yeah. need you focused, locked in, getting all the juicy exactly. details for us when you come back. Yeah, getting my scouting eyes on for what we're going to be seeing down in Peoria. Uh, we're going to be talking about some Mariners prospects coming up at uh, coming up in about fifteen minutes here on Seattle Sports tonight. But today, it started off like any other day. Oh, Frank Clark, you know, great. He's he's Staying in Seattle, at least for one season with the franchise tag, we can unpack that all. But then Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated Monday Morning Quarterback, he stopped by Brock and Salk today. Uh, This was about 8 o'clock, and he talked about some of the players that the Seahawks had interviewed at the Combine, and he also mentioned that the Seahawks sat down with maybe the most intriguing player in this entire draft, that's Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray. I thought it was really interesting seeing that they sat down with Kyler Murray, um, you know, in, in, in Indianapolis. Here's the, the reason why. Um, you know, I, I know they sort of kicked the tires on Josh Allen last year, and that got out there. And I, I, I don't think that that went over great in Russell Wilson's camp. Don't you think it's sort of interesting that first chance they get, they're meeting with a first-round quarterback at the Combine? So – Jake, you being the quarterback, knowing mm-hmm. what the level of competition is in a quarterback room, when you hear that the Seahawks sat down with Kyler Murray at the NFL Combine, how does that how does that sit with you? I, I think it always gives you pause. I think all those storylines give you pause because you in in the NFL in any professional sport you just never know, right? You don't know exactly what. The organization is thinking. Sometimes they they you know throw a wrench in in the plans uh, and, and deem that a different direction is needed. But if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm not panicking at all. I, I'm not worried about it. Uh, and, and here's the reason why: is Kyler Murray anybody else that they might be looking to take? Uh, it's simply not enough to replace Russell Wilson. Russell is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL right now and is going to be for a long for a long time to come and what he has done for this franchise is he has done nothing but win and so for the Seahawks to then all of a sudden say okay we're going to take Kyler Murray at some point in the draft and get rid of Russell Wilson that's just not going to happen it's going to be if anything was to happen in this scenario they were to take a Josh Allen or at some point they were rumored to uh, be really interested in Patrick Mahomes two years ago, is it would be very much a wait and see what happens. There's competition, just like with the New England Patriots drafting Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round, right? How did Tom Brady react to that? Tom Brady said, you know what, that's cool and all, but this is my team. And And I'm I'm not done, I'm playing until I'm 45. Exactly. And so if that happened, I would be very much in the same breath of Tom Brady if I'm Russell Wilson. Like, hey, that's cool that you guys brought this guy, but he's he's not gonna play over me, and and he's not going anywhere if I haven't. He's not gonna step on the field if I have anything to say about it. And and so, but realistically, in this situation, they're not gonna be able to take Kyler Murray. Everything points to Kyler going to the Arizona Cardinals first round. There's also rumblings of him uh, if he falls that John Gruden has fallen in love with Kyler Murray. This guy is not going to be able to fall far enough for the Seahawks to be able to take him. And guess what? The Seahawks are not going to pick in the first round. They are going to trade down. Uh, They are trying to get multiple picks. They are going to, in the second, third round, let's just say, theoretically, Kyler Murray is the fall drop. He goes the second, third round. The Seahawks can't even afford to take him because there there are more pressing needs for this team than quarterback. They need D line. They need to bolster that defense and 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 add to that group. They can't afford to take a Kyler Murray even in those in that second third round. And with how often Russell Wilson gets injured, which is 
never, you wouldn't even be able to use Kyler Murray in 2019. And I don't have an issue with the Seahawks sitting down with him because I think the Seahawks are, are in a position where they need to they need to scout as many guys as possible. Kyler Murray, if he falls into the, the category of what they're looking at or, or maybe at least they've been intrigued by, I say go for it. Absolutely go for it. Don't leave any box unchecked. Right. Because if you do, then guys start falling through the cracks, and then you start to see guys you know, that the Seahawks pass on and say, oh, man, I wish he could have been here in Seattle. Right. Where I think they're simply just doing their homework on everybody. My biggest problem with this is with Albert Breer himself, not simply not simply saying that, oh, the Seahawks met with Kyler Murray, that was it. Right. But him saying, like, oh, there's more to it than that. Yeah, you know, he's... they didn't meet with Kyler Murray by mistake. Mm-hmm. I've learned in 14 years covering the league that almost nothing happens by mistake. And the Seahawks don't strike me as a particularly sloppy franchise. Like, that's, I, I, you know, maybe not the gold standard, but one of the more well-run one of the more well-run franchises and football operations in the league. And so I just found I just found it kind of interesting. I mean, you know, you say, oh, it didn't happen by mistake. I, I, well, no kidding, Albert. Yeah. Like, yeah, they filled out the paperwork to make sure that they had the ability to interview Kyler Murray. And I know from experience talking to scouts, talking to coaches, position coaches within that building – that sometimes you want to interview these guys because you, for yourself, you may know that you don't like that particular player or that you're going to take him or that you even get the chance to to, to uh, draft him because he might be going too early. But getting the reps of interviewing players like that to, to for yourself, get the feel of what is this guy like? What does a bona fide dude look like? Or getting a feel for another player and saying, do I believe that this guy is real? Is he fake? Uh, the art of interviewing uh, is important. And to get reps in that and to, to, to come across different people from different backgrounds uh, to, to go through that process and then also to see how it unfolds, was my initial gut feeling about this guy right? Was I wrong? Right. Those are things that you can then build as a coach, as an interviewer, as player personnel. Those are valuable reps that you should never miss out on. And I, I just think that this is a narrative that just is comical to me. Whether they draft a Kyler Murray or not, th- this is not going to then all of a sudden be a domino effect where Russell Wilson is now being shopped and taken out of town. I, it's just not happening. And if we read into what Charlie Casserly of the NFL Network said, who was a former GM, uh, built the Redskins dynasty of the 80s, uh, it sounds to me like Kyler Murray did not impress a lot of teams in the interview process, but he impressed, I think, the only one that matters right, right now, and that's the team at the very top of the draft, the team that is on the clock, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. And I think if he – if for – I think it will be a miraculous reason uh, that the Cardinals pass on Kyler Murray or simply trade out. I think – right. We've seen in the last couple of days, we've heard the whispers that Josh Rosen is, in fact, on the market. Um, I think Kyler Murray is absolutely going to be swooped up uh, by the Arizona Cardinals, which is interesting. I I think Josh Rosen plus Nick Bosa is the way to go, Mm -hmm. rather than Kyler Murray plus maybe a second or third round pick. Uh, But the Cardinals are in a position where they need to make a splash in a division that is uh, in a division that is constantly improving, the Rams being what they are, the Seahawks being what they are, the 49ers getting hopefully a full season of Jimmy Garoppolo under their belt, plus they have a lot of cap space to work with. Yep. They've been tied to Antonio Brown, Earl Thomas, a lot of big names this offseason. I think the Cardinals realize that and say, yo, if we don't get this ship right, steered in the right direction mm-hmm. sooner rather than later, uh, this division is going to lap us, and it's not even going to be close. Yeah, and we and we got into this topic last night, but it, it comes down to scheme fit as well. What is Cliff Kingsbury going to be? What kind of scheme fit is this? Does Josh Rosen make sense for what Cliff Kingsbury is trying to do, or is Kyler Murray uh, the 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 better option here? We don't know that. We can speculate. We can assume just based off of his college college uh, uh, resume of Cliff. Cliff Kingsbury, 
but Cliff may come into this and, and totally conform to the NFL system. We don't know. So that's where all of this is going to ha- uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Also, another factor is what can the Arizona Cardinals realistically get for Josh Rosen? If there isn't anything worth the value to them, then they're not going to ship. They're not going to shop him out. They're not going to. They're not going to ship him off. So there's a lot of factors that play here, but everything is pointing to Kyler Murray uh, going to the Arizona Cardinals. And this whole story that Albert Breer uh, wanted to to shake things up with uh, just simply becomes mute. It certainly does. Certainly a situation worth keeping an eye on. Uh, if you're a team in the NFC West. Coming up next, the state of the Mariners' top prospects in spring training. Who are some of the guys that we're going to likely see make it to the bigs in 2019? There's been a lot of them that have shown flashes so far in spring training. We'll get into who is most likely to make an impression on the big league roster this season. That's next, Curtis Rogers and Jake Heap. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's the QB and Curtis here on this Tuesday night. Jake Heaps joining me deep into the night. It is deep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're coming up on uh, what, probably 11 o'clock here. I mean, I. I can't tell time, so <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's my guess. Just seeing how dark it is outside, sure, we'll go with that. Eleven o'clock turning into two a.m. But, you know, whatever. You can listen to our show via the Seven Ten Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Accurate Dealers. Coming up in fifteen minutes, we do as we always do to close out the very first hour of this show. It's four down territory, including how active do you think the Seahawks will be in free agency this off season? We talk about that in 15 minutes coming up here on Seattle Sports at night. But the Mariners, they are in the very thick of spring training. There's the dog days of the season, which are about July and August. Mm -hmm. We're in the dog days of spring training, where we're coming up on the final week or so of spring training for the Mariners. And so many of these guys simply just want to get to the regular season. They are done with spring training. They are done having to sit through bus rides to each and every stadium in the Cactus League. They are absolutely done uh, just having to share lockers with 40 other guys in a clubhouse that's meant for 25 guys. <laughs> uh, they're, they're over it completely. They just want to get to the regular season. But this time of year is incredibly valuable for the Mariners' front office, for guys who are in charge of the major league team, to see guys who are a couple of years away or maybe knocking on the doorstep of the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And right now the Mariners are getting a lot of playing time out of those guys. We've seen Justice Sheffield most notably come in and, and be everything that they've thought he could be mm-hmm. when they acquired him from the Yankees organization. There are other guys, too, that have shown flashes. Kyle Lewis, he's had a couple of home runs. Yep. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, who's probably three or four years away from actually cracking the big league roster, he had a, a scorcher in his very first at-bat. Other guys, Jared Kelnick, uh, Shed Long, who's played a, a lot with the major league team this year. Now, now let me ask you this, Curtis, because this, this is something that I've really th- tried to get my head wrapped around okay. in terms of baseball. Because for me, uh, coming from a football standpoint and also watching basketball a little bit, and I've always been a Mariners fan and, and a follower of baseball, but not as deep as I'm trying to be now since, you know, we're, we're doing this every night, Seattle yeah. Sports at Night, and, and trying to come and and talk to the people about the Mariners and what to expect and, and who are the players to watch out for and, and all these things. And as I as I sit here and I watch the way baseball is conducted, the way it's run from top to bottom and how players are trying to make the roster and try and make that big league roster and and what a journey it is from single A, double A, triple A to to the majors. What is it about Major League Baseball that holds its players back from getting to the major leagues uh, right away? Because in football and basketball, it's one of those things where if even if you're somewhat ready to play, you're, maybe you're not all the way ready to play, 
we're going to throw throw you out there because we want you to get the reps. We want you to develop. That's the only way that you're ever going to get there is through the experience aspect of things. And in baseball, it seems to be that they more protect their players or try to uh, really keep them down until they know for a fact that they are ready to show up into the major leagues. And there's a lot of young talent. I mean, you know, and I'll ask you here in a second, uh, you know, run through some guys, but why is it that that it takes so long for some of these talented talented kids to end up cracking that major league roster? I think a lot of it has to do with confidence, confidence that's built through the minor leagues. And if that blossoms at the major league level, then they stick and the production comes with that confidence. I think a big reason why teams don't want to rush guys to the major leagues uh, is that it is a big blow to the psyche of a player if they don't produce right away Mm -hmm. and then get sent back down to the minors. Whereas in the NFL, if a player doesn't produce right away, being a first-round draft pick or a second-round draft pick, they're still one of 53. Yeah. Like their roster spot is pretty much guaranteed. There's no minor league system to send these guys back down to. And so they still have the confidence of like, oh, yeah, I belong in the NFL. My front office has confidence in me. They're going to give me opportunity after opportunity. NBA, same thing. I mean, the G League exists, but very, very little times will you ever see a lottery pick get sent down to the G League in order to get some seasoning in. Yeah. Whereas in Major League Baseball, you'll see it time and time again, guys going on the I-5 Express from Seattle to Tacoma, just, you know, locally, right? where, you know, high hopes for player X, he comes up to the big league club, struggles his first couple of weeks, and doesn't get that confidence that's needed to build off of and he gets sent back down. I think baseball, of all the sports, is one in which confidence can mean more than any other sport, uh, simply because of how long the season lasts. If you get into a slump in baseball, that's going to be a couple of weeks. It could be months long. It could be an entire season long. Uh, you've got guys like Mike Zanino, who came up with the Mariners after just a Less than a year in the minor leagues, straight from college. Yeah. A lot of expectations were heaped on him because he was the number three overall pick in his draft. I mean, number three overall, like that, you're going to be a major leaguer if you're picked that high. Like, that's just how it works out. The chances of a number three overall pick becoming a star in the major leagues, certainly better than someone who gets picked in round 50. Yeah. But he struggled, and we saw those struggles continue on with him in his second year, third year, fourth year. He didn't figure it out until 2017, and then after that season he regressed again last year. And I think a big part of that was he got in his head. He got into his head a little bit, and when you get into your head a little bit in baseball, it has a tendency to grow. It has a tendency to sprout legs and really envelop who you are as a player and and really hinder your performance, whereas in football you've got – a week to get over it. Yeah. You've got 16 opportunities rather than 162. You you don't have, like, you can't really harp on your past game if you're playing football as much as you can in baseball where, you know. The, it is very much a rhythmic thing. It is a, you know, am I in the flow? Am I yeah. feeling, you know, as a pitcher, am I, am I getting my best stuff out when I'm hitting? Am I in a rhythm? Can I track the ball well? Am I making good contact? All those types of things that it makes a lot of sense. Now let me let me ask you this. Let's let's go through a couple names here uh, that uh, I think would that I'm interested in. Where you think, being the Mariners insider that you are, uh, where you know what are the chances of cla- uh, cracking the 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 big leagues this year for the Mariners? Uh, start off with uh, Kyle Lewis, our, our our former first round pick. Kyle Lewis, yeah, 2016 first round pick. To me. He's in a tough position because he has yet to put together a full season of healthy play. Uh, he injured himself the year he was drafted in Everett, blew out his knee. He missed the almost the entire 2017 season. Uh, and then he's dealt with more knee issues since then. Last year, he finished the year at Double A, 
Uh, I think they're going to have him repeat that level again in 2019, possibly bring him up to AAA in 2019. I think 2020 is going to be the earliest in which we see Kyle Lewis. Okay. Um, I I think the one thing above all the Mariners want from him this season is to stay healthy the entire way through. Yeah. And to see what he's like as a guy who has no health problems mm-hmm. because his numbers may be affected by, you know, this is a guy who's missed out on opportunities to get swings in. This is a guy who's missed out on opportunities to just get into that rhythm, get into that flow of an entire season. This year, I think, is going to be a year in which the Mariners want him to just simply establish who he is as a player and then try and build on that. Maybe get him up to AAA at some point uh, in 2019, and if he holds his own there, I think you're going to see something else uh, in store for him. Okay. In terms of talent level in the minor leagues, AA is where the most talented prospects are. Triple A is mostly filled with guys who are considered what's called four A players, guys who aren't quite good enough for the majors, but are better than the rest of the talent in okay. minor league baseball. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So it it may not be the best proving ground for how a player can be against major league talent, uh, but I think so. The- theoretically, they could go from Double A to. The majors, if, if oh they yeah, were successful. it's happened okay. a few times. Most notably in the Mariners organization, happened with Edwin Diaz a couple of seasons ago. Okay, he went from Double A Jackson uh, all the way to the majors. Uh, okay, so what about Shed Long? This guy has, I mean, the personality on this guy is is unbelievable. He's fun to watch. Uh, you know, it seems like he's had a pretty strong spring. What can we expect from him? I he's a guy who's probably going to start the season in Triple A Tacoma, and he's twenty three years old which means I think the Mariners are going to find a way to get him on the roster at some point this season. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a guy that is going to be in Tacoma for the duration of the season, whether that means he's up in June or July, August maybe. Um, He kind of reminds me at that age of Kyle Seager in a way that Seager didn't really have a set position. He was a second baseman and a shortstop at the AAA level, the Mariners didn't really have a place for him at either spot, so they said, all right, we'll get your glove sticky at third base. He's stuck, and he's been a staple of the Mariners' lineup ever since. Shed Long is a guy kind of like that where he's bouncing around from position to position. If he can find a home, or maybe if he can develop into that super utility player, somebody that Jerry DePoto has long coveted yeah. uh, since being the Mariners' general, Mariners general manager. He seems like that kind of guy. Yeah, I think he could be a guy – that finds his place in the Mariners roster, certainly for the 2020 season. But I think we'll see him at some point okay. at Safeco Field in 2019. If anything else, the talent speaks for itself. But if anything else, it would just be he'd be a fun personality along with Malik Smith to watch at the major league level and kind of develop and root for. Um, so, okay, so how about uh, Justice Sheffield, starting pitcher? Looks really, really strong yeah. this spring. You know, lots of lots of positive reviews about Justice. Twenty nineteen is his ETA. That is his arrival time, but it's not going to be opening day, which is a bummer. Okay, but that is just how Major League Baseball has set itself up uh, with their arbitration uh, clock, where you know teams want to hold guys back so they can gain an extra year of service time uh, for them. I think Sheffield is a guy who uh, is very much ready for the bigs. We've seen it out of him this spring training, but the Mariners are in a position where they're not going to be competing in 2019, so it doesn't make much sense to them to keep him on the major league roster uh, in you know lose that extra year. So what time frame would you say in the 2019 it's, year? I believe it's May 15th when the Mariners can then call him up and will have that extra year of club control. Okay. So I would say May fifteenth is when he finds his way, or May sixteenth. All right, we'll keep that. We'll keep that date. Ca- we'll t- keep that date circled yeah, right under there. Under the Mariners roster, Sheffield uh, adding to the uh, the major league lineup. Uh, okay. What about Daniel Vogelback? This is a guy that we that we've heard a lot about. You know, talking about how great of a hitter he is, his pop that he brings. You know, uh, is this a guy, this is kind of like a, 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 this is his time right now. It's either now or never. 
for him in the Mariners uniform, do do we see it happen? I don't see it happening for him, unfortunately. I think he's in a position where there's a lot of crowding. You've got Jay Bruce, Edwin Encarnacion, Ryan Healy. Those three guys are going to be cycling in through first base and DH. Maybe there's a spot for Daniel Vogelback to be the backup first baseman, be a lefty batter to Ryan Healy's right-handed side of the plate. But right now, I just don't see it in the cards for Daniel Vogelback, even though he is a guy that I think the front office so desperately wants him uh, to be a part of the Major League roster, and they so desperately want to see him turn the success that he has had in AAA. He is mm-hmm. definitely one of those 4A guys okay. where he's better than most guys at the AAA level, but is cer- he's not good enough yet to stick at the Major League level. Okay, interesting. All right, so last one. here. I promise, last one here. All right. Okay, uh, how, about, how about Justin Dunn? Justin Dunn, I'm going to say he's still a couple years away. Okay. I think he's a – or, well – I think 2020 is going to be more uh, of Justin Dunn's uh, time frame. The big question with him is, is he going to do it as a reliever or as a starting pitcher? And we are done with that segment. Coming up next, four down territory. Jake and I wrap up the first hour, as we always do. Which available quarterback in this year's draft would fit in best with the Seahawks? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. This this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got dig deep, deep, deep. Nearing the end of the first half, so, I mean, it's Four Down Territory. We're going for it. Absolutely. Got to get seven on the board. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Let's get into first down. Number one. All right, Jake. First down. Free agency a week away. Begins March 13th. we got the legal tampering period, which begins on the 11th. How active do you see the Seahawks being in free agency this offseason? This is a hard one because I don't think that they're going to be tremendously active. I don't think they're going to make some splash signings. Doesn't mean that they can't, but I really don't foresee it coming because I think this is a market where the the first and foremost, what takes precedent for the Seahawks is taking care of their own. There are plenty of guys that were successful for this team that are up uh, that they need to worry about trying to re-sign. Uh, Justin Coleman, uh, for example, uh, that nickel corner spot is one that is very valuable to this team, and I would love to see Justin Coleman back. You have your two guards and DJ Fluker and J.R. Sweezy uh, that would be key at, uh, re-signings uh, that need to get done. It's not something that I would like. It's something that needs to happen, uh, and hopefully it ends up coming to fruition. But there are some interesting names out there. When you look at this free agency class, there are some talented uh football players and tremendous depth and one of them over the last little bit that's been surprising has been safety uh you look at some names now at the top we probably aren't going to be able to get Landon Collins because we've already dubbed Earl Thomas as a guy that we cannot re-sign uh for multiple reasons but you've got a haha Clinton Dix a Kenny Vaccaro you've got players like that who have shown that they can be quality safeties in this league and I think it would be great to add more depth to that position. Also, you look at defensive end, Cameron Wake, he's 37, but still a very productive player. Terrell Suggs, up there in age. Again, if you sign him to a one-year deal, uh, you could get tremendous value for him. Bruce Irvin is a guy that makes a ton of sense, and Vinny Curry. These are guys that you could get on a smaller deal uh, that could prove uh, very uh worthy of their signing because they have the ability to get that pass rush and are proven football players and again talking about the need for depth at the defensive line position that's going to be crucial to be at to add one or two of these guys and then defensive tackle I don't know what the market's going to look like but Danny Shelton uh, sure is a good run stopper and I think would fit into this system really really well Uh, again so just a key couple key signings and I'm looking more on the defensive side than anything else Number two. Second down. NFL Combine wrapping up. Yesterday, a lot of quarterbacks throwing in Indianapolis. Which available quarterback in this year's draft do you think would be the best fit in Seattle? 
Well, obviously, people wanted to talk about Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray fits exactly what they're looking for, not because of the stature or anything like that, but the ability to extend uh, plays with his legs. Kyler Murray certainly can do that. I do not foresee him even coming close to being in Seattle. Uh, but some interesting names to throw out there. Uh, you know, Drew Locke, again, a guy that probably isn't going to land where you want him to be, but he is a very athletic guy who could be a great fit in this scheme, in this system. Uh, some later round guys that I think are interesting to take a look at. One, Eric Dungy from Syracuse, uh, really gritty football player, plays hard, uh, and has that dual threat ability. Um, another guy is. Uh, uh, the kid out of Buffalo, 6'7", 250. Tyreek Jackson. Tyreek Jackson, yeah. yep. Uh, his name escaped me there for a second. Thank you, Curtis. And he is 6'7", 250, extremely raw, uh, but has elite ability to extend plays and make throws from awkward arm angles. And Seattle has not shied away from those project type of backup quarterbacks. So those are the guys that I think would uh, make great sense for this team. Number three. Third down to you, Jake. How important is it for NFL players to be in their best shape right now in the offseason? Ah. We've had a lot of talk about Russell Wilson and the shape he is in. <laughs> is, does he have a dad bod? What's going on with him? As someone who does have a dad bod with no children, yes, like Russell Wilson is in such enviable shape. I would kill to look like him right now. Uh, but <laughs> have you ever seen? Have you ever noticed his traps? That dude's he has yoked. massive traps. Yeah. Uh, it just is in the way he's built. I don't know what it is, but gosh, that guy uh, is built pretty dang well uh, from that standpoint. Look, I get it. I see it. Uh, I see the Instagram videos that people are posting. Uh, or that he has posted about himself and and uh, people are concerned about the is he too doughy is you know Russell Wilson gaining too much weight um, and 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 people have really pointed to that there is no cause for concern here this is a this is a just a cycle of the year for Russell Russell is working out he's in great shape uh, he's he is going to trim down as the season gets closer and closer. Uh, as OTAs get closer, as training camp gets closer, he will be at that 208 210 mark that we know Russell Wilson to be at. Uh, and I think that's the perfect spot for him where he can stay active, he can stay mobile and explosive uh, while also uh, being able to take the hit. So no cause for concern here. Number four. Last opportunity to get in the end zone here. Fourth down here on fourth down territory. Let's do it. Jake. The state of Washington, becoming more and more of a high school football hotbed, producing such luminaries as yourself. Oh, Curtis, stop it. Well, I mean. Blushing over here. Well, what position do you see the state of Washington becoming a hotbed for, or already has become a hotbed for, at the high school level? Yeah, I, I think there's been a lot more talented guys that have ended up making it other than myself, and and particularly at a certain position, when you really think about it, the offensive line, the linemen that the state of Washington has produced in history, and especially recent history, is pretty staggering. You go down this list, I'm just going to rattle off some names. you got Andre Dillard and Caleb McGarry right now uh, in the current draft. Uh, Andre Dillard is going to be a top 10 pick, top 15 at the least, and Caleb McGarry is going to find himself in the first, second round of this draft which is pretty incredible. Then you go down to Steve Schilling, uh, David DeCastro, Benji Olsen, who had a great career in the NFL, Josh Garnett, a local product, uh, who's playing for the 49ers right now, Zach Boehner, Foster Sorrell was probably the most recruited offensive lineman in recent history, uh, Sieno Clemente, uh, Trey Adams right now, he's one of the top prospects from UW that's uh, uh, from Wenatchee. Uh, you got uh, Aaron Neary playing for the Rams. Uh, Cole Madison got drafted in the fifth round, who's been playing for the Packers. Uh, and the last one here, Jack Cup. Oh, yes. Cooper Cup's grandfather mm. is in the Saints Hall of Fame. Wow. So that is a very impressive list of guys, and, and most recent as well. And so I don't know what's in the water here, but we know how to produce big men. Yeah. I mean,. 
we got some good drinking water around here regardless, but for whatever reason. <laughs> the absolute best. Let me just tell yeah. you, as a guy that's traveled around the country quite a bit, there is nowhere else that I would drink tap water <laughs> other than Seattle, Washington. God. No doubt. Like, I, I lived in the desert down in Arizona. Oh, yes, yes. Their you know. tap water is garbage. It is disgusting. In fact, that's where I'm headed tomorrow. Uh I'm not looking forward to that. Get Good. that bottled yeah, water with you. Going to the grocery store as soon as I land, getting some bottled water. Uh, state of Florida, really bad. Really Horrible. Bad you would water. think, you know, they're surrounded by water, but yeah. it is awful. It's terrible. So bad. Louisiana, been there, not good tap water as well. Uh, getting back to the first down question, uh, how active do you think the Seahawks will be in free agency this offseason? We brought up the safety position. To me, the the ultimate, like, you know, white buffalo that I want the Seahawks to go after is Landon Collins. I don't think that's very likely to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. But you think of it like how Earl Thomas left the field flashing his middle finger to the Seahawks sideline. If the Seahawks were to get Landon Collins, like that would be the <laughs> ultimate middle finger in return to Earl <laughs> Thomas. Like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? We're going to sign somebody who's like five years younger than you at the same price point you wanted. Uh, sorry, pal. That's just how the NFL works. That would be a heck of a return volley by the Seahawks. Yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely, wow. it would be. I mean, I'd be up for it. I would be too. I mean, Landon Collins is is a heck of a football player who's still very much in the prime of his career. That's why I am just blown away by this decision by the New York Giants to let this kid go because he has got a great future ahead of him and is going to be an impact player for some team in I mean, the NFL. Yeah, it's like we talked about uh, at the start of the show. The Giants have brought in a ton of blue-chip guys over the last couple of years, but for whatever reason, they can't make it work. And then they benched Eli Manning out of nowhere. What was it, in 2017? Uh, Dave Gettleman, you kind of wonder, is this a guy who's in over his head? Uh, he's not somebody that you know you look at and it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to really embrace new school philosophies and new school ideas in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, when he certainly has the pieces uh, to do as such. To me, he's got he's got this last year up on his his situation because they have a ton of talent. They have the group, and the fact that they have stuck with Eli Manning for the last two years, I think, is a is an interesting call. Is one that you have not really found a predecessor for him. Even if you stuck with him, there's no uh, there's no plan. There's no exit plan for Eli Manning at this point in time, and you have OBJ, Saquon Barkley. You've got tremendous talent on that team, and they just simply can't find a way to put it together. Coming up next, three former Seahawks either on the block or available in unrestricted free agency. Golden Tate, Jermaine Curse, Michael Bennett. Are there any you would bring back to Seattle? Which ones would you stay far away from? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.